following is a production of the Event Safety Alliance. Welcome to the Event Safety Podcast. I'm Danielle Hernandez. I'm Steve Edelman. And today we're going to be talking about pyrotechnics. Pyrotechnics are so much fun. All right, Steve, can you introduce our special guest for today? I'd be glad to, Danielle. Um, today we're, we're very fortunate. We have some of the real heavy hitters in the pyrotechnics industry. So we have Julie Heckman, who's the executive director of the American Pyrotechnics Association, um, here with us from beautiful Bethesda, Maryland. We have Brian Panther from Pyrotech in Lidditz, Pennsylvania. We always like Lidditz. Brian has three titles that I'm going to tell you, which I think is really cool. Um, Brian's the safety manager for Pyrotech. He's also the product and technical support manager. And because this is kind of an American Pyrotechnics Association, you know, old home week. Brian is the current vice president of APA. Uh, finally, we have Jim Souza, who's the president and CEO of Pyro Spectaculars in Rialto, California. So we are from sea to shining sea today. Not only is Jim president and CEO, he's also the creative director, which we love. And again, with the APA theme, uh, Jim Souza is the director emeritus of the American Pyrotechnics Association. So we've got a lot of uh, a lot of sparkle here. And the reason that we want to talk about pyrotechnics is, well, like much of the rest of our industry, pyro has been seriously affected by COVID-19. Um, as we record this, it is July 14th. Happy Bastille Day for those of you who keep track of these things in French. Um, and we are now 10 days past American Independence Day, which, as you know, is normally a fireworks spectacular. And this year, I suspect it was considerably less than that. So, Julie, I'm going to start with you. Um, you know, from the industry's standpoint, how was American Independence Day this year? You know, it was pretty historical um, on two fronts for backyard consumer fireworks sales, unprecedented levels of sales and use across the country. Um, retailers have run out of inventory. They are worried about uh, China being able to produce enough product for the New Year's Eve season. And then when we look at the professional entertainment segment of the industry, the display companies, it was historical as well. It was a dud. It was a dud. Uh, typically, there are 16,000 Independence Day shows nationwide. We don't believe even 5% occurred due to the widespread cancellation. So, you know, it was just a devastating uh, season for the professional display industry as a result of COVID-related cancellations. Wow. That uh, is is devastating. Um, will you guys? Do you think you'll still be set up for the um, for the New Year's Eve celebrations, assuming that those happen? Well, you know, New Year's Eve is not that large of a celebratory day for this industry. You know, a handful of major cities have a New Year's Eve show, and some small towns have a first light type family event. 
but it's not really a significant day. I mean, really the bread and butter of the industry is July 4th and this industry doesn't get a do-over. Jim Souza, before we went live, we were talking about know, is there any good news from the pyrotechnics industry standpoint? And you said that you've done two events. Um, tell us about your two events, Jim. Well, we're proud to have produced two events on the, the holiday weekend. The first one was uh, July 3rd at uh, Mount Rushmore. And the second one was July 4th in New York City, which was very challenging. But before I talk about those, just kind of have to set the stage. And normally our company traditionally is doing 400 events, mostly on the West Coast. And because of the, the results of COVID and the constant cancellations all the way up to the, the day of the event, we're lucky to, to do uh, 40 shows or 10%. So it was an extremely challenging year. And then again, I'm very happy and proud for our family that's uh, five generations in the Sousa family business to, to do Mount Rushmore in New York. And, you know, from your perspective, how did those shows go? Were they okay? They were great. I, I was personally at Mount Rushmore, an extremely challenging uh, uh, production. I mean, it's it's called Mount Rushmore. You have to climb up there to get it. And so it's a it's a 14-day installation of high lines and mountaineers literally climbing this mountain and bringing up uh, 10,000 pounds of, uh, of launching material, 2,000 pounds of explosives fired from seven locations uh, behind the, the, the Mount Rushmore, the, 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 the four presidents, and then on the rim behind it and the canyon below. And then we had to take into account all of the safety factors because we're dealing with a, a flammable area. So yeah, I was, was going to ask that question because yeah. I know there's a lot of burn concerns in that part of the country. Yeah, there was, it was so challenging. I mean, we were technically contracted with the state of South Dakota in association with, with the, the national parks and local officials. So we had a lot of hoops to, to, to go through. We were constantly being monitored and uh, the president was there. So we also had secret service all over the place. Uh, and we're kind of used to that doing shows with the Olympics and Super Bowl. So we were used to that, but the, the high level intensity of this one was overwhelming in, in my opinion. But again, it was a great show. It was a, an 18 minute pyromusical production called The Spirit of America. And we, we started out the show uh, telling the story about the, the four presidents uh, featured in the mountain. And we went in to celebrate America and proud to be in America. And then toward the end, we, we had a tribute to the uh, first responders and another tribute to the armed forces and the men and women that were defending us around the world to, today or this weekend so that we can celebrate our independence. And of course, we concluded with our favorite, uh, John Philip Sousa's Stars and Stripes Forever. And so that's the conclusion of Mount Rushmore. We had a crew of 20 plus 10 mountaineers. It was a, a fantastic experience. And absolutely everybody's very, very happy and pleased. And we're looking forward to, to returning on that event. Let me ask a follow-up question. Since this is the event safety podcast, um, talk to us about getting all of that equipment up the mountain while maintaining whatever social distance you were able to maintain. Talk to us about the workers. Yeah, it's a very, very steep incline. Actually, I went up there a few times. It takes about 30 minutes of a pretty good hike. But when we had to set up all this special rigging, uh, 
uh, it's a, a high wire and you know, kind of like a reverse uh, ski resort where we're flying things up the mountain. Uh, maintaining social distances really was not a problem or, or wearing masks. And uh, we were felt very safe and very comfortable with that aspect of the uh, personal protection. Mostly our concern was just personal personal safety where we had to, depending where we're at, going up the mountain or positions on the rock climbing, uh, where we really had to do the carabiners and the strapping in and, and, and a lot of safety checks. So we had people that were certified that would always check each other out to, to make sure that you are secure, you know, you're fastened correctly, uh, safety reviews of what happens if there is an accident on the mountain and how do we get people down. So a lot of that was... Uh, you know, an additional uh, security procedures that we had to go to and safety procedures, uh, but it became very comfortable. No one got complacent. You can't do that. Uh, it's really windy at times up there, and the weather can change in 15 minutes. So there was a lot of precautions about uh, covering up not only just the product, but the taking care of each other. We were always in pairs of two, never, never one on one, going up or down anything. So that was. That was tricky, but doable. And again, our company's kind of noted for doing kind of crazy things like this and the Golden Gate Bridge and the Brooklyn Bridge and the, uh, you mentioned Bastille, the, the, the Eiffel Tower in, uh, not Paris, but in Las Vegas, uh, the Space Needle, lots of bridges. Uh, so we really kind of enjoyed doing these uh, interesting uh, pyroscapes, if you will. Uh, in addition... In New York, we did for the very, very first time ever, uh, pyrotechnics launched off of the uh, Empire State Building, and we also did Times Square. Uh, we filmed the pre-filmed all of the Macy's Fourth uh, of July spectacular that was ultimately uh, pre-recorded and broadcast on NBC. Normally, it's live, and we worked with the city and the mayor, fire department, Macy's, uh, finding secret locations and timings that, that were not announced. And we fired all over many nights at different locations. Uh, the Statue of Liberty was, was featured. I mentioned the, the Empire State Building, Times Square, Liberty Park. I mean, we were all over the city, and that, that NBC did a great job of editing this all together. But it was really like producing a movie where we had the start and the finish of things, and it looked all seamless, like we were just doing six locations all in 20 minutes. And it was another challenging, challenging event for our family to do that, especially hitting you know the you know, the epicenter of, of the COVID in New York City. I got to tell you, I'm getting you know almost misty eyed thinking about all these places that I can't go right now. Yeah. Um, and, and you know the whole idea of that much activity is almost unimaginable it is almost unimaginable i haven't left my stinking county in months so i was listening to all the different safety protocols and i was thinking about what julie had said about how the home market just took off <laughs> this year and we we had explosions going off around our house in South Carolina until about four o'clock in the morning. My dogs thought we were being just bombarded. Um, and I was worried about the people around who have no experience and no understanding. And they, they set them off right next to their cars and next to piles of deadwood. And I was thinking about the, what you get 
when you have a professional do it versus you buy it at the little trailers and, and then everyone sets them off. Uh, Brian, what, what's your experience like these days? Well, I work in a little different sector of the industry. My company focuses primarily on live events uh, in the concert touring world, uh, you know, specialty one-off shows, awards programs, and things like that. And uh, I can remember distinctly March 13th of this year was the day when the whole world came crashing down. We were uh, we were basically um, in a position where we had probably close to a dozen tours that we were scheduled to deploy right there at the beginning of the year. In fact, we'd already shipped about a half a dozen of those shows. Um, all the gear was already in route to various venues and rehearsals places around the world. We had a client rehearsing here in Lidditz at the time, and literally as the news broke that everything was, was kind of starting to cancel, um, it, it was just like almost like dominoes. Literally within about 48 hours, we started to get calls from all of our production managers that everything was on hold and and in within within two weeks pretty much everything stopped we actually went into um an, a fairly early shutdown we were in uh, my office here in, in eastern pennsylvania we were kind of in an area of a little bit of a hot spot near philadelphia and washington dc and the numbers were starting to to really raise here rather rapidly so we decided, you know, well, there's nothing going on for work now, so we have to basically just go down and shelter in place. Um, the the next real challenge for us came as uh, a couple of about a month into it, when all of the uh, the tours started to call up and say, "Hey, we know that you're closed and everybody's locked down, but uh, the gear is sitting in New York now, and we need to drop it off at your facility." And that's kind of the other other thing that all of us in the live event world are experiencing for the first time ever is when all of that touring gear comes home where does one put it all because um, most of our warehouses are not designed to hold our entire inventory when it's not working because it's just never happens when it's all not working at the same time so we had to actually come up with an interesting protocol you know my I had several containers that landed at the Port of New York uh, at that time it was the hotspot epicenter for the pandemic and we had to come up with a plan on how we were going to receive a container through one of the most you know heavily infected areas uh, and do it safely for the people on our end so we were able to come up with with a protocol uh, involving you know not having the drivers coming in contact with the staff here you know washing down and disinfecting the doors uh, and and making sure that the containers were quarantined for uh, seven days prior to them actually being unloaded at our facility. Um, so those were some of the earlier challenges. The, the bigger challenge is, has been trying to reimagine what a live event business looks like in, in, a, in, a, in a market where there are no live events. And the more we talk to our, our tour partners and our production managers and, and you know, big producers like AEG and Live Nation, you know, the, the word that we're hearing on the street is that, that it's going to be a long time before any of this comes back. Um, so, you know, we, we've been using this time to focus on, on a lot of, um, 
quality improvement projects, you know, uh, working on our own safety programs, our uh, getting additional opportunities to do training, um, doing other types of process improvements, so things that, that typically those of us in the live entertainment industry don't have a lot of time to focus on. So we've really, you know, if there's any silver lining at all in it, it's it's that we've been able to take the time to do some staff development and to, to get some additional training opportunities uh, for our technicians. While at the same time trying to figure out how to deliver that kind of technical training um, at a distance. Um, we all have become experts at telemark teleconferencing and, and I think we've all seen just about every every type of of web meeting capability that's ever been <laughs> developed in, in application. But um, you know, it's 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 been challenging, and we've we've been forced to to try to think about how this is going to work and what kinds of things could be uh, could be done as as people start to to open things back up again. And the good news is we're we're you know now here in July, and and we're starting to get you know inquiries from from different clients who are kicking around ideas about how to do events later in the fall. And, you know, some quotes are going out. We've actually had a couple of opportunities. Um, we were very fortunate to participate with uh, a couple of, of live stream events that were done out of our Nashville office. And um, we had a, a big country artist that, that did a, a live event with full production. And uh, we were asked to come in and do some special effects for that. Um, it was a very different environment going into a, a show where everybody was socially distanced, wearing masks. Uh, screening protocols on the in and outs, um, very strict controls about you know how how many people we could have in there, the types of ventilation that we had to have in place. Um, but the event went very very well, and and basically the end result was a made for broadcast concert event. It looked and felt like a live concert, but there was one major thing missing, and that was the energy that is the audience. And and quite frankly, from, from what I understand from the gentlemen who were actually there at the at the taping, it felt surreal because it looked and it seemed like the live events that we all know, but the energy of the audience was not there, and it, and it really did make for a, uh, a very awkward situation. So... Yeah, that that energy is hard to reproduce uh, virtually. <laughs> it really is. It really is. So what would the three of you like to tell people that are producing events these days? Um, obviously, they're going to be remote or they're going to be smaller. For example, today, the city of Philadelphia has banned all large events until February 28th, 2021. And I imagine they're just the first of of many major cities to make those types of decisions what what would you say to the people that are doing these other events how, how would how would you like them to consider your product in their decision making well one of the things that i've always said is you know going back years and years and years when it whether you're doing fireworks at a baseball game or pyrotechnics or lasers at a concert you can easily see that when when you have that type of extra entertainment or wow factor provided as part of the uh, of an event that you see people really do respond to that and they and they um 
they really do draw more people. Like you take the, take a baseball game, for instance. Uh, we know from, from historical purposes that the, when, when baseball teams have fireworks night, their attendance goes up 30 to 50% on average. And, and people really do enjoy that type of entertainment. And so my, my thought is, is, is you're working on developing new ideas and developing the concept of what is normal now um, that, Consider the idea of using pyrotechnics or fireworks because it really is, uh, you know, it's a very inexpensive and cost-effective way to add a very big moment to your event. I mean, it truly is the best bang for your buck, so to speak, when it comes there to... There it is. <laughs> <laughs> no pun intended. Actually, full Actually, pun intended. Actually, pun fully but, intended. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Own it. <laughs> Julie was ready to it, jump it, right it, in there. <laughs> so, Julie, yeah. what what advice would you give people? Well, you know, I think it's going to be a while before large gatherings are going to resume, and that's that's unfortunate. But I know some communities that are not in as strict phase of the still shutdown mode, if you will, have gotten creative. And they are doing events where kind of a drive-in style where families, individuals can stay in or near their car in social distance and gather and uh, companies are able to put on a firework display for that purpose. And where it has occurred, it's been very, very successful. And I can guarantee you, if they would have done one in my backyard, I'd be the first one there. <laughs> but because I think we're all so eager to go to an event to, to do something. And that's actually what sparked the rise in the backyard consumer firework use. And it started very early with Memorial Day weekend which traditionally first weekend of summer, um, the consumer firework retail stores just opened. You know, in March, they didn't know if they would be able to open, if they would have a season at all. But come Memorial Day weekend, sales were up, uh, you know, 20, 30%. And it escalated right up to the busy week of July 1 through 4. And the industry has never experienced the volume of backyard consumer firework sales that they've had this year. And, you know, it's related to the pandemic because of everybody being in lockdown mode for, you know, now we're going on four months, but, you know, a couple of weeks ago, three and a half months. And people are looking for affordable family fun. And with the elimination of all of the community Independence Day celebrations, Families chose to bring that celebration home to their backyard. And I think that's good for the consumer industry. And it probably creates a precedent even for next year because there were more first-time users of backyard fireworks. And now that they got a little taste of that fun in their backyard, they're going to do it again. Absolutely. Again. But I can assure you, everyone is waiting for when the country can gather together as a community and really celebrate. You know, I think celebrating July 4th, um, 2021 is going to be all about our pride, patriotism, and independence. And thank God COVID's over with. From your mouth to God's (laughs) ear, Julie. I mean, the impression that I got from watching all the stories about 
people in New York City complaining about consumer fireworks under their windows all the time is perversely, this is actually good news for the pyrotechnics industry, not only because people are getting a feel for it themselves, but it reminds us, folks love this stuff. I mean, we like when things go boom and make, you know, cool colors in the sky. So whether it's, you know, us doing it ourselves because there's no other way or, you know, professionals like you guys, at least the demand is undiminished, even if the ability to, to serve that demand is, you know, sharply curtailed right now. That, that was my impression anyway. I think you're exactly right, Steve. In fact, we saw in 2008 during the financial crisis the, that a lot of cities were coming in and canceling Fourth of July displays, but we saw a very interesting phenomenon at that point. Private industry stepped in and actually started sponsoring those canceled municipal displays, and, and, and in many cases, we saw budgets going up. People in America love their fireworks. They love pyrotechnics, and and before this pandemic, we we kind of thought that we were a relatively recession-resistant entertainment segment. Um, people love going to concerts. People love doing events, and and this is really kind of unique. And you know, being in a scenario where we just can't do that because of a public health reason. Is it different? Are you seeing any different opportunities outside the United States? You know, I'll I'll set that up correctly. So. Where I am in Arizona, we're not locked down, you know, separate discussion whether we should be or not. But, you know, in this very large country of ours, we have some significantly diverse opportunities to have events, to launch pyrotechnics. And, you know, that issue seems to be writ even larger as we go throughout North America and then overseas. So, even if opportunities are not here in the states right now, are you seeing opportunities to you know, do some work elsewhere? We're starting to get some inquiries about some overseas events, but I think the thing that still universally, no matter where you're at in the world, the big, big concerts that we've come to make most of our uh, living off of are still not happening. Uh, there are some smaller events that we're seeing coming up, which is which is a light on the horizon, and we're very hopeful that that continues to grow. Uh, but, you know, we're, we're still thinking that it's, it's going to be a little bit of time before, you know, we're able to have 20, 30, 100,000 people together in, in a location. Jim, what about you? We had a big event uh, scheduled uh, this fall in, uh, in, uh, in Berlin, in the Reichstag, with uh, the artist Judy Chicago. So it's a little bit different twist and not just a, a show at a baseball game or a concert, but we're really doing an, an artistic piece. And we've done many with her, we have three of those scheduled, and that's been canceled. Just I, my this whole network, we're all very close families and firework families all over the world. And everyone's telling the same story. My good friends in Japan, the Olympics is, are closed. In, in Spain, the manufacturers most of the fireworks for for Disney is shut down. Uh, China, they started this whole with this problem over there before COVID. And all the explosions and shut that shut down all the manufacturing. Now we see they're back up and running, and containers are flying in here now. And now we got to find a way to store them and to pay for them and to secure them and to insure them. So the whole this is a global situation. So everyone's in the same boat in that aspect. I guess my response is a couple of things we're talking about. I would encourage the event people 
that even if you're doing, I like the drive-in ideas, we've done a few of those, but even if you're just doing, let's say for example, Major League Baseball is doing, starting up again, to still have some fireworks, because they're going to be televised. And without fans, it's kind of, you know, no one likes to look at empty seats. So you can still create that fan experience and keep that the tradition momentum going so when they do return hopefully next spring that we're back all up and running again so i would encourage the events where they can use the, the pyrotechnics and the special effects uh, the flames and uh, cryo and everything to, to continue to do that it gives a little bit of extra joy to those events that are missing the audiences and things like that I think like um, everybody's saying that everybody loves fireworks no matter you know, it's, it's one unique form of entertainment that's satisfying to all people of all races, all backgrounds, all ages, music genres, everything, all at one time. Everybody's a little kid looking to the sky and, and getting, enjoying the oohs and the odds. You know? <laughs> I'm getting goosebumps just talking about because that's what it's all about. So I would wonder if we did have international events there's so few places that people can travel from one country to another right now that that would be just a, another whole problem to navigate opportunity to figure out, I guess would be another way to put that. Maybe, maybe in the future we'll have the well, I tell you what, ability I, to deal with that challenge. <laughs> well, we have an event, uh, the first ever uh, interna international festival of fireworks in the United States scheduled uh, for this October in, uh, in Steve near you in Glendale, Arizona at the Glendale Entertainment Center. And so we had um, competitors and great ones coming in from, from uh, Japan, Spain, Italy, Mexico. And of course, our family was the, the host company for the grand finale. A whole week of festivities, uh, you know, the beer gardens, the taste of, uh, of the country. And we had all this scheduled, all funded, all ready to roll. And as we say, in the middle of March, it, it's called the Sparks Fly Festival technically was not canceled it's been postponed but yes you're right how do we we already had spain's fireworks show on the water coming to us that we now have to store and then we couldn't we had to uninvite the, the chinese because that wasn't going to work they were to be able to get the fireworks here then COVID hit spain but they already shipped then italy can't do it and we can't do it so uh, this is a, a terrible opportunity that was lost but i do hope that uh, we are looking to try to bring that back in, uh, in october 2021 well we look forward to hearing about it <laughs> you bet and now i feel this incredible sense of loss that something so cool that was going to be here you know driving distance for me now isn't uh, it just pisses me off even more <laughs> so so i'm going to give you guys a little bit of hope I have no idea if there was pyro at this event, but I saw a picture of a stadium of like 6,000 people all together. I think it was football. I'm not sure. Uh, soccer football for those. It was in New Zealand. Oh, hey. So there's, there's hope. It's in New Zealand. <laughs> you can get there. Um, <laughs> Julia, I, one of the things that we notice among our friends in other parts of the live event industry is we're starting to see lobbying campaigns where trade associations are trying to um, mostly lobby the federal government for some kind of economic relief for their industry during this long interim period when work is scarce. 
Is the American Pyrotechnics Association involved in anything like that? Um, yes, we are, Steve. Uh, we started lobbying um, at the beginning of June and tied it into our 4th of July media campaign because, you know, even though fireworks are used in all different types of events, sporting events, live entertainment, everyone thinks about our industry primarily on the 4th of July. So to elevate the impact on our industry, we made that a focal point of our PR effort during the entire month of June leading into the 4th of July. We have been reaching out to both um, members of the House and the Senate asking for um, relief in the next stimulus package, um, modifications to the EIDL loan program, and we just recently started focusing on the Restart Act that was introduced by Senator Young from Indiana and Senator Bennett from Colorado. Um, it has bipartisan support. And um, I believe that the event industry is supporting the Restart Act as well. So today, the APA is actually in the process of um, writing a formal endorsement letter of the Restart Act, and we will most likely issue a press release tomorrow and a call to action to our um, member companies to engage their congressional representatives and urge them to support Restart. So we will most likely do a, a public plea as well, telling folks to support the bill by the bill number. How do you feel? I mean, without giving away anything that we should not know on this podcast, how do you feel? How much traction do you feel like you're getting in Congress? Well, you know, we think the Restart Act probably has the best opportunity of moving forward. But the problem is right now, you know, I hate to get into politics, but right now on the Senate side, the Republicans aren't real supportive of another stimulus package. And that's because the, the last jobs report was strong. But the Democrats are all for a package, but they want a lot of other things in it that really the Senate wouldn't support. But we're just looking for relief for the small businesses most impacted by COVID. Um, these companies, you know, including the firework entertainment industry, they need a lifeline. They are sitting on millions of pounds of explosives. They have regulatory compliance costs. They need to retain their highly skilled and trained personnel. Can't just hire anybody off the street to handle explosives. And so in order for these companies to be able to survive the next 10 months with little to no income, they are going to need some form of loans. We're not looking for a handout. We are looking for loans with um, you know, low interest rates and some forgiveness attached to them to help these companies survive. That was so well said. So please, if, if you're able, Contact our senators and your uh, congressmen in general, and let's let's see if we can help get this through. Because we're all in the same business; it's all show business, and we're all in a hot mess. If I could follow up with, with Julie and to our listening audience to to follow along on the APA website, is we will be making a, 
you know, press releases and, and statements uh, related to uh, the various programs. Uh, we're all in favor of, of the restart program. I think it best fits our entertainment industry. Uh, but we will be giving some bullet points and talking points of how how our listeners can log in and then the message to send to their local congressmen and senators in support of these acts is we, this is a political thing. We've got to get it the message out there. Thank you for inviting us on your program today. It's all about getting that message out. Uh, our company over the 4th of July, we had a, a called save pyro program that we, we blitzed on, on, on our, uh, our, our websites and we developed uh, over 2000, sign petitions just over the weekend. So if we really worked as a group, I'm sure we can get millions, but the, the interest is out there to help support our entertainment industry. And so it's about getting getting the message out and, and getting to our uh, elected officials that this industry, all of our entertainment industry is suffering and without support of the lifeline, uh, it's going to be a big problem in a few months. Julie, will you um, give our event safety podcast listeners the American Pyrotechnics Association websites? So they know where to go. Yes, certainly. It's www.americanpyro, AmericanPYRO.com. Awesome. Well, we're coming up on the end of this portion. Is I'd like to go do a little round robin and get everybody's final thoughts or any last things you want to share. Uh, Brian, let's start with you. Well, I, I will just recap what, what Jim and Julie said. Uh, you know, we're all in this together, uh, and we do need to work together to, to, to communicate the message to our, our elected representatives that this, this industry is a very unique industry, and, you know, we're going to be a while before we're all back to doing what we're doing. So we definitely need everyone's support uh, in support of the legislation to, to help give the entertainment industry some very, very desperately needed relief. Um, I am extremely confident that this industry will come back. People love to be entertained and, and it's going to come back. It's just a matter of when. And, and a lot of our small family businesses need a little help just to make it through to that point. We're going to get there, but it's, it's going to be a, it's going to be a difficult road for a lot of us to walk without some help. Jim, what about you? Just kind of wrapping up this whole thing about you know the pyrotechnic special effects industry and entertainment. It, it, it's going to come back. People love what we do. We do provide good value to all these venues and entertaining millions of people. I believe it's going to come back, but it does focus point here is uh, is collaborating with all of the, the the industries that we represent or are part of with our politicians to save all of us. I think that's the, the message I would leave us with. And thank you for having me on your program. And Julie, you get the final word. Well, we're grateful to be part of your podcast. And I look forward to attending the next Event Safety Alliance Summit. Um, such an informative group. And um, I think it's just really important that um, as, as Jim and Brian said, this industry is united as a family, and it's all about entertaining and bringing millions of people together just in different types of venues. So whether it's a concert or a sporting event or a live production or an Independence Day celebration, um, it's important that the entertainment industry survive. 
um, so many people rely upon the entertainment that this industry provides and the smiles and the oohs and ahs as a result of the good work of the people committed to this industry. And we do need the help of Congress. And I do believe that the Restart Act um, it is the best opportunity to help the live entertainment industry. So please help us and support Restart Act. And, and that is, that is definitely the takeaway message, dear podcast listeners, that we want to leave you with. Um, you know, pyrotechnics, lots of bang for your buck. You know, we, we do love that. It's fun to say. Um, Jim Souza from Pyro Spectaculars, Brian Panther from Pyrotech, and Julie Heckman from the American Pyrotechnics Association. Um, thanks very much for joining our event safety podcast. And, you know, as you do shows, we want to hear about them. You know, good news is in short supply. So whatever it happens to be, large or small, keep us posted because we are invested in your success. Um, so with that, um, thank you again, guys. And Danielle Hernandez, I'm going to turn it to you for concluding remarks on today's event safety podcast. So again, thank you for our, our pyro experts. We're so happy that you joined us and, and for sharing your wisdom and some fun stories and some opportunities for advocacy that we're all investing in right now. Um, I just wanted to address that today, July 14th, um, we're about two weeks away from the extra $600 for unemployment insurance expiring unless the Senate does something that we're not expecting in a timely manner. Um, and I want everyone to just take a beat and make sure you're taking care of yourself, financial insecurity on top of out of work, on top of a pandemic, on top of the Black Lives Matter movement, on top of, I heard there's a squirrel with plague in Colorado. I, I mean, it just seems never ending. Um, so, Please, please, please. We're going to have some resources in our show notes, um, some uh, mental health backup in case you, you need someone to speak to. Uh, please check in with each other. Uh, we don't want to lose any of you during this time when things are a little bit tricky. Uh, so please stay connected and know that we're here for you. If you need to reach out to us or you have an idea for a podcast or you want to just, you know, compliment my dog barking in the background, if you heard that, uh, our email is info at eventsafetyalliance.org. Uh, please put podcast in the subject line. And I want to thank everyone that was on the line today and Jacob for making us sound great. Thank you, everybody, and stay safe. 